Welcome to Stocks to Watch, a series filled with exciting, informative, and innovative stories from company executives globally. I'm Ashley Berry, and we're welcoming David Williams, Executive Chairman of Mount Isa Minerals, a company dedicated to exploration excellence in an Australia region with a focus on a range of base and precious metals and other minerals, including copper, gold, lead, silver, and others. Mount Isa Minerals, in fact, expects to list its prospective and application on the Australian Stock Exchange in the coming weeks. Very exciting. David, welcome. Uh, thank you, Ashley. And it, it is exciting, but always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. So for our viewers unfamiliar with the company, perhaps you can provide a brief overview of Mount Isa, its current management team, and its distinctive capabilities. Yeah, look, it, it's been around since about 2015, 2016 in one form or the other. And, and essentially what it has is a package of eight exploration licenses aggregating about 345 square kilometres, but they sit on the western boundary of the uh, Australia's second largest copper mine, the Mount Isa mine that's currently owned by Glencore. Uh, and this has been producing uh, copper, lead and zinc but particularly copper for nearly a hundred years. So it, yeah, we're right in the right location um, as far as the source of the minerals concerned. Our focus is on copper uh, and we know that there are other minerals there, including for example, a small uranium resource, but our focus is on copper, which we see as having, becoming a very important critical mineral uh, as we go forward and the, the, the move towards the net zero targets that have been set. Fantastic. So, you know, David, if we could explore the Mount Isa project in more detail, what really makes it and its specific location appealing? What do you perceive as its true potential and what drove you to invest in it and prioritize in this property specifically? Yeah, look, I, I, it's like I feel sometimes sounding like a real estate agent. It's location, location, location. <laughs> we all know how harder, how much harder it has become to develop new mines. You know, just the approval process is, is huge. You know, the environmental hurdles you have to jump over, let alone the infrastructure, power, transport, people. Now, Mount Isa is a town that's almost in the centre of Australia, but it's been going since, uh, as I said earlier, for 90 to 100 years. You know, it's starting to produce power and send power back the other way towards the eastern seaboard. It's got a train line. It's got a major highway all the way through to Townsville as a major port. Um, people have been living there. It's a, it's a, it's a fully-fledged town. Um, but importantly, as I've mentioned before, it's got an existing mine. Now, you know, a little bit in the, in the news recently, we'll come back to that, no doubt, but it is a mine that has, has primarily been focused on copper. It's starting to shift more of its focus to lead and zinc. Um, it doesn't have the resources to continue on uh, at the level uh, that it has continued. So it, it's hungry for resources. Now, it's looking for further copper to keep going. You, 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 yes, you can shut down or, or slow production uh, by going down to you know, turning one of the trains off and just running one train. But even that train, which is a multi-commodity train, um, doesn't have sufficient resource to feed it. And of course, 
then you start looking at the economics of, well, if I'm not fully utilising it, I'm not getting the best return on capital, et cetera, et cetera. So we've always felt that um, you know, there is a need for resource. And our area is one that people have tended to not be as interested in because the, the old geological model was that the copper uh, and the nature of the style of the copper uh, in Mount Isa, in the Mount Isa mine deposit, you don't see in the Western side. And that's absolutely right. It is a different style. It comes from the same source. Surprise, surprise, we're next door, but we're on the other side of the major Mount Isa fault. And, and you therefore see one style and one geological event on the Eastern side, but then you see different geological events that have caused um, the, the passage of the mineralization going West to come out in a different form. And it is more of an IOCG style um, where we're looking, uh, and less of a sedimentary deposit style, which is what you see with the Mount Isa deposit. And again, you know, what's a useful illustration on it is, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there is uranium and there's repeated uranium and there is a, a small three million pound uh, resource of uranium. Um, what do you see in a place like Olympic Dam? It's, it's a major copper mine, but it's also a major uh, uranium producer. So you, you're starting to see similarities with different styles. And if you step back and look at it with fresh eyes, you take all that data, and there's a massive geophysical database that's been uh, been produced over the years, limited drilling. But if you step back and you look at it with a, a systems approach and say, well, what do we think has gone on for, from a systems approach? You come up with a with a different equation. Now, yeah, that's those are the things that attract it. Copper, next order of mine that needs resources, so I don't have to worry about mining it. Um, good infrastructure surrounding it, a very large uh, exploration database that really hasn't been interrogated in the, in the proper way. We've identified 13 walk-up targets already, uh, and you see malachite, you see copper mm -hmm. expressions on the surface, it's ticking those boxes. And I might add, you know, and you mentioned this uh, about the port, you know, it being a prime location because you have a railway that goes right through that. It really can't get much better than that, David. Uh, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on the surveys conducted for this project specifically and what insights have they provided about its current status and potential? Yeah, look, I, so a lot of work was done by Extrata um, as far as exploration is concerned. It's, it's always a funny thing in, in large companies. I've seen this with oil and gas companies and you see it with with mining companies that, it, that can be very risk averse, particularly when it comes to exploration. And it can be very hard for the exploration geologist to, uh, to get large dollars on a on a whole new idea, um, exploration play. What's relatively cheap and easy to get is is geophysics, you know, gravity, uh, magnetics, uh, etc. And what we've seen is a lot of money has been expended on geophysics. So it's an extensive database which helps you build up that picture um, beneath the surface. Um, now, yeah, like all geophysics, until you put a hole in it, you don't know whether exactly it's there. So, so starting point, there's a massive amount of, of uh, geophysical data, which 
means that we don't need to do a lot of that work. 250,000 soil and rock chip samples have been collected. So you've got a very, again, very large database, particularly on the key areas, as far as what you're seeing on the surface. Um, you And I know just to put into context, you know, the top 10 of those rock chip samples range between 10% and 32% copper. So, if rock chips are going to be more concentrated, but you're really sort of seeing some strong um, evidence on them. Yeah, we were driving around the tracks yesterday and uh, uh, we stopped the vehicle in the middle of, the, of, of one of the, the roads that had been graded recently for us. Um, and there was some uh, pegmatite sticking up in the middle of the road that um, with green on it, with the malachite on it. So you know, we weren't aware that that was there before. So yeah, you, you know it's there because mm -hmm. of because of um, what you're seeing on the surface. There was a lot of drilling done in relation to the uranium, uh, 24,000 metres of RC and about 1,700 metres of the uh, diamond. Well, we've managed to find the diamond drilling, and um, but it was only assayed for uranium. It wasn't assayed for the other elements. So we've already got samples prepared that we can go off and get the full suite of, of elements assayed to, to see you know, what we're, what else we're seeing and, and start to build up a map of these pathfinder elements and develop some of these geochemical models and start overlaying them, which will help us sort of vector in. So yeah, massive amount of preliminary data helped us identify the targets and now we're ready to go. And, and we've got approvals, uh, both land access and, and uh, regulatory approvals. So yeah, as soon as we've completed the IPO, we'll be hitting the ground with uh, with drilling rigs. Fantastic. We, we understand you're getting ready to uplist. Uh, maybe you can just drill down a little bit, uh, no pun intended, but uh, you know more on the timeline uh, for our viewers as far as what they can expect. Yeah, look, so we're pretty pretty ready to go as far as finalisation, the prospectus is concerned. I mean, one of the key aspects of that is the audited accounts of the year ended uh, 30th of June, uh, 2023. Uh, they're just finalising at the moment. Um, so we, we think we'll be in pretty good shape by the end of this month, early November. Um, with the prospectus ready to go. We've been talking to the ASX and you know, explaining where we're at, where at with them. Um, you know, we don't en envisage any major issues there. So at the moment, our target is to get that in by the end of the prospectus in by the end of this month, early November, uh, and away we go. But, you know, you start to get into that dead time as far as the market is concerned here in Australia. You know, Australians, we love our summer holidays. Um, and, you know, there's cricket on. I'm not that you guys would understand that, but uh, <laughs> a, a, bit of, you know, a bit of cricket it's on. It's fun to think sport. about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to be a, a cricket world cup in the US so it's, it's all happening um so look depending upon how that's going and, and the market we you know we might push it out into into february march but at the moment our, our target is uh october november and you know, with the, with the aim of of being listed uh, uh before the end of this calendar year well, listen, all great news coming out of your company. Unfortunately, right now, Mount Isa kind of in the spotlight for some negative news about the closure of mines, the loss of jobs. Perhaps you can help provide more information about this news specifically that's coming out of there because you had mentioned it earlier um, and what it means for your company. 
Yeah, look, the, the, talk about timing. I was talking about location before, but timing. I get off the plane in Mount Isa on Wednesday morning of this week just to be greeted by the announcement from Glencore that they were planning to uh, stop the copper concentrate um, line uh, in the second half of 2025 and, and gradually reduce some of the other lines. Largely, as I was saying before, and as, as as we had identified, of having insufficient resources. Now, the important thing about this is they haven't said they are shutting the Mount Isa mine in total. They've said they're reducing and changing the operations. Um, yes, they're shutting that specific copper concentrator, but they're continuing on the other line, which is a multi-commodity line. And again, you know, you'll see that they um, they have insufficient resources for that. So to me, I'm not phased by it all, as I've said. I, in fact, I think it just strengthens our position. This strengthens our, our case. It strengthens our argument that... It needs more resources. You could not build that infrastructure again in, in Australia. It will not shut. It will continue on. What we and other companies in the region need to do is to find those additional resources. Who is best placed? We are. We're next door. So, you know, again, we're in that prime seat. Uh, and we know it's there and we can pass it on. So, look, it's a, People's immediate reaction, oh, Glencore is shutting the mine. They're not shutting the mine. They're shutting parts of the mine. They're scaling it down. They're looking for resource. So to me, all positive governments, take governments very strong and, and focused on it. And and again, we therefore know that the, the government's going to be keen for us to push forward. But the real thing, I think, is a more global thing. And, and, and it's the demand or the need for copper mm. to get to those 2050 zero emission targets. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of commentary starting to come out about it. And I think most people sit there and think, oh, copper's been around forever. You know, there's loads of copper and oh, we don't need to worry about copper. Um, why then are the big companies like BHP suddenly running prime time television advertisements branding copper? talking about copper. Why are companies like BHP running their Explore, BHP Explore program with a focus on copper? Why are Rio Tinto talking about copper? You know, one of the more conservative figures that I've seen is that the total amount of copper that's been mined from this planet of ours since time as records have been kept is about 700 million tonnes. How much copper is needed between now uh, and 2050 in order to achieve those targets, 1.4 billion tonnes, mm. twice what we've already extracted from this earth in the last 90 to 100 years. That's massive. And it's, it's, it's a bulk commodity. Everything you need, you need copper. You can look at the, the, the numbers, the, <clears throat> the amount of copper that goes into a, a solar panel compared to um, you know, traditional methods of, of, of supply. Um, as I was saying earlier, think about it. If you're not going to use natural gas um, to provide your heating and, and your hot water in a house, where are you going to get your energy? Well, okay, it's going to be electricity. We can't run electricity down gas pipelines in in in, in the uh, under the ground. 
you've got to bring in copper wires. Yet the solar farms, the wind farms, they're not built with this existing generation. So now you've got to, even apart from the copper wire between the various panels and the windmills, you've got to transport the electricity. You then got to transport the electricity um, from those new locations into the grid. What do you need for that? You need copper and you need a lot of copper. So I think people are just beginning to come to grips with that. Everyone's been focused on lithium and see the lithium batteries blow up and what have you. But what we need and what we need in large quantities is copper. And I think you're going to see a lot of pressure. You're seeing production declining in Chile. Glencore announcing reduction of, of production out of Mount Isaac, Australia's second largest copper producer. Now, these are just all illustrations of the problem we're facing. Um, and you can't magically wave a wand and it suddenly jumps out of the ground um, in, into a, a copper concentrate. It takes time. And you need to be able to use existing infrastructure, but you need to be able to find it near it because uh, if it's a long way away, the, the transport just kills the economics. David, always appreciate the insights, the foresight, and of course, very excited as you get ready to uplist. I'm sure potential investors will be watching closely. David Williams, Executive Chairman of Mount Isa Minerals. Thank you as always for your time, and we look forward to sharing more with our audience on Stocks to Watch. Thanks, Ashley.